Um, this week's sermon, as you know, I'm not in a, a series, in the series of James I did a while back, and those are a little bit easier, and the elders have actually made it a little bit easier for me during the Christmas time. They've asked that we'll do an Advent, so we'll do some studies along with Advent, the Advent season, right after Thanksgiving, we'll start that season. But right now, we're in that time of, I'm kind of picking sermons as we go, and um, literally, if you'd asked me last Sunday, do you know what you're preaching on next Sunday? And I would have said, nope, no idea. In fact, I didn't even really fully know till about Tuesday or Wednesday what I was exactly preaching on. And God uses, believe it or not, uses ordinary people, He uses circumstances, and He uses you sometimes to influence what I'm preaching on. And this one started with, on Monday night, Jeremiah gave me this, this little band. Now, Jeremiah has given me lots of things that he gets from Teen Challenge. And this one happens to be a, a band that he had gotten at a church, and it says Luke 14, 23. Well, you know, your pastor doesn't know all those scriptures. He doesn't have them all memorized. And so I had to go back and look it up and say, what is, what is Luke 14, 23? And I, I started looking through that passage, and that was kind of the, the planting of the seed. And so that's where we're headed this morning, Luke chapter 14. But I was like, man, that's a great passage. And I don't know about you, but I mean, I've, I've read that passage before, and I've, I've preached that passage a number of times. But going back through it again and studying it again, I learned some new things. I found some other applications in there. And I believe, I do, that that's what God has for us this morning. Now, this is part of Jesus's teaching. And Jesus is way better at teaching than I'll probably ever be. But again, that's the goal, is to work towards that. But Jesus is teaching on multiple levels to multiple people coming from it from multiple different backgrounds. And you know what? Even in our small setting this morning, I'm sure we're all coming from different places this morning. You know, that hour of sleep may or may not have helped this morning. It may have made it worse. Um, if you have a dog, you probably didn't get that hour of sleep because the dog gets up at the same time, or at least ours did. And we, you know, I just get up an hour earlier and had a little more coffee before I got going this morning. But it didn't change from that perspective. But some of you probably had a tough week. Some of you probably had a, not a bad week. Maybe it's been busy. Maybe it's been a little bit slower. But and I don't know what you've come to this morning. But I do know that God uses his word and he speaks through it to meet us right where we're at. And so I'm hoping this morning that this is where this is going to catch you, somewhere in there. I'm going to kind of put it out there. And there'll be a lot of different lessons through this. But somewhere in there that God's going to speak to your heart through the Holy Spirit and encourage you or move you, or in, maybe convict you. Yeah, sometimes we need that as well. I know this passage did that for me this week, and so it kind of moved me a little bit off my, my center stake a little bit and said, you know what, this is an area I'm getting weak in and I need to, to work on. And so maybe that's where you're at this morning. So again, Luke chapter 14. Um, Jesus has been teaching. Luke writes it down for us. And as I mentioned last week, Luke to be in Luke Last week as well, different chapter, different verses, different message. But Luke writes it from a Gentile perspective. He's a Gentile writing about a Jewish teacher in a Jewish setting, primarily teaching Jews. And so culturally, you have to kind of know that because it helps sometimes with the, the words, the, the setting, some of the things that they would naturally pick up. As a Gentile, we just don't get Again, I'm also trying to take you back, as we always have to do, going back in time to that situation, because that helps us understand a little bit more of the passage. The truths don't change, 
but the circumstances around it do change. And so we need that. We need that, that firm foundation. We need that help. He wrote things down understanding. The other great thing about Luke, Luke was a, a doctor. And so he wrote things down and, and, and really detailed. He was a detailed person. I have no idea what that's like. I'm not a detailed person. I'm, I'm always like, PJ, she, oh, she's going to listen to this at some point, but PJ gives me a lot of details. And sometimes I'm like, honey, just give me the bottom line. I got too many details. I'm lost in the details, right? I have to keep it simple. Maybe that's just that's my shortcoming. But, but there are times when we need details. And sometimes with Scripture, it's really helpful to have all these details. And so Luke does that, and he writes it in his perspective as a Gentile. And I think it helps us understand what's going on. Now, for background information, Jesus is teaching all the time. And he's teaching his disciples. He's teaching those who don't believe yet. He's teaching the Pharisees who should have known or thought they knew everything. But guess what? They didn't. They were missing elements of it. In fact, at this point, the Pharisees have become so hard, they're just plotting away. They're just waiting to trip Jesus up on some technicality to discredit him, to get rid of him, whatever they can do. He's become a threat to them and their way of life. And so it's hostile. They're hostile to his teaching. His disciples are trying to soak it in. And then some of the, the common folk of that area, they're just like, hey, this man has wisdom. There's something that's drawing us, but we don't, we don't know where he's coming from. They're just trying to get to know who Jesus is. And so that's, like I said, people coming at it from different angles. So all that to be said, chapter 14. And I think, man, these guys are so good. They are highly more organized than I am sometimes. Great job, Ike. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man who suffered from dropsy. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts of the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent so taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him away. Again, that kind of sets the scene, right? Now the Pharisees who are there would have said, well, no, that's healing is work, and so you can't do work on the Sabbath. That was the law. That was the rule, right? Well, how would that help this poor man who's, you know, you're here, you've got the cure, but yet you can't get healed because, well, it's a technicality, it's the Sabbath. The letter of the law says, no work, nothing. And Jesus knows this. He knows it's a trap. He knows that they're watching him. Again, Jesus, he has compassion. He's times that are not what we would think would happen, right? He has compassion. He sees this man, and guess what? He heals him right on the spot. Miracle, right then and there. Right? That should have, Pharisees should have been happy, Right? Yeah, he broke the law, but yeah, but look what he did. He did this miracle in front of us. This man who we've known for a long time has been healed. But again, their, their hearts are not there. It's not where they're, they're thinking. Again, they've already judged Jesus. They've already condemned him. They're just looking for ways to trip him up. I also like the fact that Jesus is aware of his surroundings, right? He knows it's more than just about the Pharisees. Obviously, the man that got healed, but there's also other people watching him. People that aren't even mentioned here, that are watching what he's doing, how he's handling the situation, how he's responding. It's a good reminder for us, right? We're always being watched. 
People are always making judgments. Sometimes people are making judgments unfairly. They've already come at it from their angle. You guys have never had that happen, right? Someone already says, oh, you're a believer, right? You're already judged, right? You have to accept this way. You have to love me. You can't judge me, whatever the situation, right? They already had preconceived. They've already made their mind up. They're very closed-minded. Yet, we have to be aware of that, but we can't let that determine what we need to do. Like I said, there's a lesson there as well. So Jesus, seeing this happening, goes on in verse 5. He says, and then he asked them, if one of you has a son or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull him out? And they had nothing to say. Jesus knows what's going on in their hearts. He knows what they're thinking. And so he kind of ups the ante a little bit. He says, well, what about you? You personally, if you had an investment, an ox, in a hole, it's a value. Are you just going to leave it there? Well, no. Of course they're going to go and want to pull it out. Same thing with a son. He ups it even more. What if it's a family member? A family member's in need and someone that you're close to, that you personally care about, is in a hole. Are you going to say, oh, no, God says I'm not to work, so sorry, you got to stay there. Of course not. So again, he's just kind of pulling the, some of the, the Pharisees away a little bit and, and exposing their heart, right? How far do you want to carry this is what he's saying. Again, Jesus sees it the same way. He sees their heart. He sees their hypocrisy. And their response is, right, nothing to say. They didn't want to answer the question. They already knew what the right answer was, but that would admit that Jesus was right. So they said nothing. Next example or next teaching here, next part, verse 7. When he noticed how the guests were picked in the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. All right, parable, right? I told you Jesus is a really great teacher. And he uses these parables, these short stories, these illustrations, whatever you want to name it, to bring about a spiritual truth. But you've got to remember, it's a parable, right? So it's, it's, it's somewhat made up, but again, it has spiritual meanings to it. And there's a lot that you can pick from it, depending on where you're coming from or where you're looking at it. But don't get caught up in the story as much as what he's trying to teach you in this. I kind of put that out there as a, a clause. And whenever you look at the parables, you need to look at that. But it's a great teaching method, and Jesus does it very well. Again, he's teaching on multiple levels. Again, he's talking about table and seating, places of honor. Again, if we kind of remember back to James, right? That kind of goes back to that favoritism, right? And again, Jewish, when they ate, and, and that was an important part of their culture, but where you sat was important, right? It was a sign of respect, but also of honor. It was, it, there was some favoritism on where you were placed, right? Some of us still remember a little bit old. Dad usually sits at the head, and mom sits... We had placements, right? When we're, some of us that are a little bit older. Now today, we're lucky if we all sit together around any table, and usually it's a round table, or, um, or we're eating on the counter, or on the couch, or recliner. Or, again, things have changed culturally. But in that time, it was utterly important where you sat. And it would let everyone else know that you were important by where you sat. So again, favoritism was going on back then as well. So he goes on with that. And he says, when someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor. 
for a person of more distinguished than you may come that's been invited. If so, the host who's invited both of you will come and say to you, give this man your seat and then humiliate you in front of all of the guests. You have to take the least important seat. But when you're invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes to you, he will say, friend, move up to a better place. Then you'll be honored in the presence of your fellow guests. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Right? Great lesson in humility. Again, we all, really, this one I can say, we all struggle with it in some shape, form, or other. Right? That dirty little word. I know we talked about it in our men's group a while back, right? Bryce, what is that word? I know he's back there. He's smiling. I can see this from him. Pride. Pride. We had a long discussion on pride, and you know, you pull it back at its root, it's pretty much the root of all sin. But pride, right? We struggle with our pride. To be honest, we, we all want to be recognized. We all want to have that good seat in our flesh. We all want to be thought of highly. But we have to be careful when that gets out of bounds or when it becomes our focus. Right? Again, Pride goes before fall. I believe that's somewhere in the scriptures. I've read that many times, and uh, we were reminded as we were studying that. But being humble, coming from a place of humility will help us in so many ways. It helps us in our relationships. It helps us in reaching the lost. It helps us in ministering to people. It helps us even when we look at the scriptures. I said, I was brought to mind, you know what, I've pre- like I said, I've preached in this passage, I've studied this passage before, but I had to go back through it again, and again, God helped me. He's like, hey, there were some things that you missed. In fact, I looked at one of my old sermons, and I'm like, oh my goodness. Thank goodness that I've grown a little bit, because I couldn't preach this sermon again. But the folks were great. I would be dying. It would be terrible. It, may, it probably was terrible at the time, but the folks were gracious. But sometimes God uses those, even in my own life, to kind of say, hey, Go back and look at these scriptures again. Look at them fresh. And so it's a humbling experience, but we need to do that. So that's key for that, being humble. Again, wherever you're at in placement and wherever you're at in your walk with Jesus. Verse 12. Then Jesus said to his host, again, remember, he's in a, a setting now. He's not at a wedding, but he's at someone's home. He's in there. So again, you have to be careful, like, all right, it's a wedding situation, but this is a home situation. Probably everyone's thinking, where am I sitting right now? Or how come I'm sitting here and he's over there? I'm sure that's all running through their minds. But he says to his host, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or relatives or rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they can't repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And then go back. We're going to start with this. It's something I think we've lost as well, but hospitality, right? And again, there's many lessons in here, but we're going to start with this one. Hospitality, right? Who do we tend to have over most? We, we do tend to invite our friends, right? 
We're coming up on Thanksgiving, right? We tend to, our family, that's family time, right? That's, that's normal. And I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with that. That's, that. that's common. That's what we do. And it's important to connect with those people as well and to spend time with them. But as Jesus likes to do, he kind of flips things upside down, right? He's saying, hey, it's great that you invite them, but how about sometimes flipping it, invite people who you really don't know well, people that may be struggling, Maybe people that don't have family anymore. Maybe people that you barely even know. It's kind of the context here. It's going outside of your circle. I had another conversation with a, a young man this week, and it was interesting. We got talking about friends, and he was talking about, he's a believer, and he was talking about he has a, a set of friends that he's just made, and, and they're not believers. They don't even pretend that they are. He says that they're, they're far away from God. And what a struggle it is to connect with them. And can I say that here this morning, and assuming that most of us here are, are believers, that we're here on a church Sunday morning, it is easier to be around believers. And sometimes we have to really work hard. In fact, sometimes we give up working hard, and we don't have unbelieving friends. We don't have people that are struggling in our lives. Never forget, I was doing a study on this, and I was talking to it as a Bible study, and I asked a group of people, I said, who do you think of when you, at the time, it was about making lists, and we'd make a list of the top 10 people we wanted to see come to Christ? And I gave that assignment out, and I remember three or four very well people who loved and were outgoing, and I would have not guessed at these folks, and they said, you know what, Charlie, I'm really struggling with this. I can't come up with 10 people. I can't even come up with five people that I know that don't know the Lord and that I need to go reach. So I say that as a caution. We have to be careful that we don't close our circle to just our friends, our Christian friends, and those that it's a small group. We need to expand that cycle a little bit. We need to circle that and we need to open it up. And I think that's part of this here. And not just with hospitality, but also with our lives being open to that, reaching out beyond those barriers. And again, the caution's in here as well, right? This last verse, although they cannot repay you, right? It's not a give and get thing. No, it's not one of those things where recently take you out to lunch, then you'll take me out to lunch the next time. You have taken me out to lunch recently, guess what? I'm not taking, no, I'm just kidding. It's not the same situation. I appreciate it. Many of you taking me out for pastor appreciation, and, and it's not the same circumstance here. But really, how often, when was the last time we did something for someone who has no way of ever repaying us back? It's a good reminder, isn't it? Maybe, just maybe that's something that God's laying on your heart. Maybe there's someone that you've seen, you've walked by, and you know what? They, they don't have the means, but they would really appreciate a meal or a gift, or just a friend, someone to walk alongside of them. So you have this going on. There's another teaching. Then I think Jesus kind of folds this next one into it. This is the next parable, and this one goes with it as well. Verse 15. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. 
right? This is one of those guys that was in the group, and he's paying attention. He's got a little bit, a little bit. He doesn't have the whole story, but he's like, all right, I hear what you're saying, Jesus. I hear that we need to reach out, and we need that. But he says, yeah, but that blessing, right? We're going to be blessed. Blessed is the man who eats at the feast in the kingdom of God, right? There's going to be a reward for it. We're going to get something for it. Well, that's true. There is a blessing that's going to come, but we're not going to receive it here on earth. Yeah, it's an eternal. So again, the guy's not far off, but there's a, a little bit of a problem with his motivation. Jesus is always working on the motivation of our hearts. And so the next part here, I believe, addresses that motivation. Verse 14. It says, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servants to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. First one said, I have bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I must be on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another one said, I just got married so I can't come. So the servant goes back and he reports this to the master. And the owner of the house became angry and he ordered his servant to go out quickly. And I'm going to get to that next part, but see what's happening here? Again, in this parable, a lot of work's been done, a lot of prep's been done, and now he's sending out the invitations. I'll pick on Heidi a little bit, right? Heidi worked hard on those, those little invitations. That's what that was today. That was an invitation to be here. She had some hurdles to come over. I know Heidi's motivation you know, she, she worked hard on it because she had some hurdles to come over this week because we lost internet this week and paper stock and printer problems. But man, when you do all that work, right, you, you're, you're hoping for an outcome. And again, like I said, excuses, this is one of those Charlie's phrases, excuses are like flies, right? Everybody has them, but nobody really wants them, right? When you've done a lot of work for something, you don't really care about all the excuses, but people have them. Right? We always have an excuse. Sometimes we always have one ready, right? Well, if this person asked me, I, I, no, I'm sorry, I'm busy. I've got this to, to do. And again, the excuses here are not valid either. Right? This guy talking about his land, right? If he's already bought the land, guess what? He's already looked it over. He already knows. Land's already bought and it's not going anywhere. He can check this out anytime. We'd call it a lame excuse at best. What about the guy with the oxen, right? Got to try it out. Oxen are oxen, right? And if he's already spent the money on them, he knows they work. It may not work exactly like he wants, but at that moment, does he really have to go try them out right then? Right? Think of it like buying a car. Not that an ox in a car, there's, but it's like, right? If you've, you've investigated, you've looked, you've put the money out. If you had a brand new car, do you need to go out and start it to make sure it's going to start? No. It, it's going to start, right? And if not, you're going to bring it back and you'll get... But I mean, that hasn't has to be, that hasn't have to be done right now. So these excuses are, are lame at best. And this other man that just got married, right? Right? Marriage is for the long haul, right? You can set aside time to go to this banquet. So the excuses are lame at best. And they're not real. They're not, the motivation's not right. Right? You're with me so far, right? Just watch out, because guess what? We, we kind of do the same thing. I mean, it's going to kind of be revealed here. It's going to come to the surface. Maybe not in going to a banquet, but maybe with something else. So a servant comes back to him, reports this to the master, and 
the master becomes angry. In fact, he orders the servant, he says, go out quickly into the streets, into the alleyways of the town, and bring in the poor. Bring in the crippled, the blind, and the lame. You know why? Because guess what? They're not going to have any excuses. Right? That's the first thing that jumps off the page to me, is is they're not going to have those excuses. They're not going to have just bought a piece of land. They're not going to have just bought five oxen. Most likely they're not even gotten to gotten married. Right? They have they don't have those excuses. In fact, they can't wait to be invited to something like that. They're just waiting. They're on the cusp, waiting for someone to reach out to them. Hopefully some of you are starting to think now, beyond a meal here, beyond the parable, beyond the story, there's a lot of application in this. In fact, the servant comes back to him. He says, hey, I've done what you've ordered, but yet there's still room. There's still room. There's still, the banquet room is big. We prepared more than enough. We've got room is, is what's going on here. So the master says, go back out. Go out even further. Go out in the country lanes. Make them come in so that my house will be full. Verse 24, as we wrap this up this morning, it says, I tell you, not one of those men who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. Again, he's speaking to the ones that have come up with the excuses, the ones that have said, you know what, I'm all set, I'm good, I've got other things that are more important. Like I said, application time, right? Let's kind of break this out a little bit. Let's camp out there for a moment because there's a lot of application. All right, first and foremost, application. If we use this as our church as a banquet hall, right? We use this, our Sunday morning, inviting people in, right? Have you invited someone recently to church? Maybe it's not who you invited. I mean, maybe it's not, yeah, maybe it's not who you invited, but maybe it was who you didn't invite. Maybe you're inviting someone who thinks they're all set. Maybe you're inviting someone who says, you know what? I've done church, church has hurt me, and, and, and I'm done with church. Maybe it's someone that is going to another church. And they're like, hey, I already have a church family. I, why would I go to your church? But you know what? There are many out there, many that are hurting, that would love the chance to be invited. It may take some effort. It may take going across some cultural lines. It may take going out of your way. It may take going more than once and saying, you know what? We'd really love to have you in our church family. Come. Come. Come join us on a Sunday morning. Except that's one level. Maybe they're not there yet. Maybe they're not even at church level yet. But you know what? There is a level that they're at no matter what. And that is level of receiving the gospel. I said, there's many levels to this, and you can take this and teach off it many ways, but what about sharing the gospel? Right? We talked about missions and we, those that go out and serve in tough places. Again, if we keep our circle close and we only have Christian friends, we're not going to get many opportunities to share. But if we go out beyond that, 
Again, there's a lot of hurting people, and they're just waiting for someone to share the gospel with them, to encourage them. Say, hey, there is good news. Hey, Christ died for you. They're just waiting to come in, come into the fold. See the levels? See the, the depth that this passage has in it? Another question for you. Where are you at in this story? Where are you at personally? Are you Pharisee? None of you are the master. We don't get to be the master. That one's, that one's reserved. But are you the Pharisee? Again, I made an assumption earlier, and I, I shouldn't probably even assume that, but, but most of us are, are probably not the, the, the crippled, the lame, or the lost here. If you're here this morning, not, you're not lost anymore. You'll hear about that. But where most of us should be is a servant. It's already Right? We should be the servant in this. We already, us that are believers, already know the master. We already have that. We already have the, the gift. We know we're going to the banquet. But we're the servant. God wants to use us or send us out to reach the lost. To reach those that nobody else is going to. And so that's the cry or the plea this morning. Be the servant. Yeah, they may not repay you. They may not receive. They may not even come to church. But you know what? Our responsibility is to be the servant in this story. Bow with me, please. Oh, Heavenly Father, as this passage has much in it, Lord, may it cut to the heart. Lord, may we be obedient to the calling you've placed on our lives. Call it you've placed in every believer to reach the lost. Lord, it's more than just words. It's a command that we are to do. Lord, help us. Help us to see those that are lost. Lord, may it be our prayer that we not only see them, that we can love them, and Lord, that we will go to them and share the good news of Jesus Christ. And Lord, as we prepare for communion, we remember as a group, Lord, that you did it on the cross that we couldn't do. You made the sacrifice so that we have the means to go and to be with you, to have eternal life through Jesus Christ. And Lord, as we celebrate that this morning, may you be here with us and continue to use us for your goodwill and purpose. In Jesus' name, amen.